Welcome back to another episode of the Between the Lines podcast. As of right now, it's just me and Kyle on the mic. Tiago's getting back from football practice a little bit late, so he'll be joining us shortly as he crosses over the bridge. That being said, it's been a week or two. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm all right, man. You know, I'm out here living. How you been? Very good. I like that. I was out of the country for a bit. It was nice to kind of, you know, see the COVID situation from a different perspective, dodge the the wildfires that we got going out here in Northern California for a quick minute, but glad to be back. That being said, let's uh, talk about some of the things we missed. So we had the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals and the teams that advanced, obviously Miami in the East and the, the Lakers in the West. But let's talk about the East for a minute. What did you see in that Celtics Heat series? Um... I saw good basketball, honestly. Um, what, what shocked me, and we'll definitely hear from Tiago when he comes in, is just the fact that the Heat were such a solid team. Um, just being able to make it through the East. Uh, and obviously they knew it, but just kind of shocking me too and just seeing how well they work together. Also being that, I don't know, like I guess it was just like good matchups for them or what, but – uh, the, the cards just worked out in their favor and they were able to make it to the finals. So see what they can do there. Yeah, I agree. I think it's been a hell of a run for the Heat so far. Obviously, you know, we're recording now and game one of the finals is going on and the Heat are currently getting smashed. But I remember when Tiago was, you know, running his mouth about the Heat going to the finals, we were all kind of giving him shit and just laughing at him. And it's a hell of a run. And it's amazing to see that they've gotten there. But and looking at that series against the Celtics, you could look at games one and two. I know that the Celtics were up big in game one. They blew yeah. that lead. They were up in game two at points. And it seemed like whenever it came to that six-minute marker in the fourth quarter, the Miami Heat were just always playing better basketball than them, too. Mm-hmm. They and, were closing out really well. Right, exactly. You had guys... You know, Drogic played a hell of a series. Bam Adebayo is just like that sidekick that just does everything for that team. And then you have Tyler Hero that one game, just like giving you a 30-piece at, you know, age 20, just going insane. But I I do want to talk about Boston for a quick second because I saw some real problems there. So uh, in a few different instances at the end of the fourth quarter, Miami was going to this little kind of zone defense where they put the guy in the middle of the perimeter, right so you know right and that seemed like it was just throwing off the rhythm of boston entirely because miami was able to kind of hide their weaker defenders in the corner of those zones there because tatum Mm -hmm. was just picking on everybody in those games but and then it got into these weird situations where marcus smart was taking these big shots for boston and that's just something you don't want i like marcus as a player but yo pulling up with you know, he's a good player. He's a good player, but, you know, late game, I don't think that's, you know, he'll probably say something different. But looking yeah. at this, I don't think I want him doing that late game. And if he's open, you know, you got to take the shots you get. But it's just the Miami Heat did a really good job of making sure that that's who's taking a shot. And honestly, if I'm playing that team, I'd rather live or die by, you know, those kind of players versus, like, offering Jason Tatum to score the last shots or, you know, close out a game, you know? Right. So they, so they, I think they played it really well um, in that aspect. Yeah, 100%. I think Brad Stevens' game plan is not to have Marcus Smart taking the big shots in the fourth quarter. Not at and all. And I would 
I was also disappointed in the lack of adjustment for the Celtics because the Celtics saw that zone defense in the fourth quarter on more than one occasion in a few different games. And it never seemed like they adjusted in terms of getting the right guy in the middle of the zone that could kind of crash towards the basket and draw the corners in for driving kick because they could never beat it. And the offense would go so stagnant at certain points. And I think the larger picture here is that Eric Spolstra just dominated the coaching matchup between him and Stevens. It seemed like he was just one chess piece or rather move ahead the whole entire time. So I saw a funny picture on Instagram. I think like Shaq posted it. It's it's Spolstra when he's like a video coordinator for the Heat. Like, you know, it looks like he's like, you know, two days out of senior year of high school. So props to Spolstra, man. Been doing it for I don't know how long now, but balling. Yeah, Yeah, you got to give it to him though. He's... He is a solid coach. He's always and he's always been a, a solid coach, you know, throughout his, his time as a as a Heat coach. So, I, I've just got to give him to give it to him there. And it's like you said, it's bad that the Celtics weren't adjusting, but I like that the Heat saw something that they couldn't fix, and they just kept doing it. And that's what's going nice. to win you game. If the other team is not going to change what they're doing or figure it out, mm-hmm. you just do what wins, and that won them the game. So. 100%. Yeah. Uh, job well done by the Heat. Like I said, we'll see what happens here in the finals. But quickly on the Western Conference. So the Lakers kind of took that one 4-1. You had the huge shot by Anthony Davis, the three-pointer that won game two, which was definitely a momentum changer there for sure. But what did you see in that series? What kind of impressed you about the Lakers and what was lacking in terms of Denver Nuggets play? Um, First of all, they're... The Lakers have been going through this weird thing all year, and I will admit I'm part of the problem, too. So every time they lose or something, it's always uh, the Lakers are kind of going to struggle this year. And, you know, looking at their team, you would think that. But the matter of the fact is they have LeBron James on their team. This man brought a, a nobody team in, like, his early years with the Cavs to the finals. What makes you think he's not going to bring a, a solid Lakers team to the finals? So, you, like, it, it's just crazy that, you know, me and, like, many other people keep doubting them, and then, boom, they're back in the finals, and they're doing what they're doing to the Heat. So, I've just got to go back on my statement there and say that was kind of – I hate that I kind of doubted them there, but I think everybody should kind of know. Right. But I have a question for you, though, before we continue. So, obviously, LeBron played with, you know, D. Wade and Chris Bosh there with the Heatles in Miami for that four-run year there they had. They won two titles there. But I think, objectively speaking, that Anthony Davis is by far the best co-star LeBron has had. Would you say that Davis is of a higher quality than Dwayne Wade was? Or would you say vice versa? Or are they on equal playing field? Um, I think they're on equal playing field. It's... It's just different situations, uh, different times, and you're just not going to be able to compare like, you know, the the same teams at the same time. So and the position too, you're comparing exactly. like shooting guard. So to you got a exactly you got a shooting guard out of Dwayne Wade, whereas you've got this big man with uh, AD. So it's it's hard to compare these things. Right. Um, what, and I, what I do think though is. The game style that LeBron likes to play, Anthony Davis is a better match for that, just in terms of how he likes to pick and roll. He likes to get to the basket. He likes a big man that can catch lobs and finish down low. I think 
I think they're just really a perfect pairing. And I know him and Wade were great and the Bosch and, you know, Alan came along too. But I really like what I'm seeing right now from Lakers. And I'll be the first to say, I said on this podcast multiple times that I was very concerned about, you know, the Lakers' depth heading into the playoffs. Because on any given night, it's hard to tell, you know, okay, yes, you have, you know, LeBron and Davis, but who's going to be the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth scoring options? You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's KCP. Sometimes Dwight's going to pitch in a little bit. Markeith Morris has even been doing a few things, which has been a surprise for me. So that's my biggest concern. But after, like, now watching them more and more and, you know, through the Western Conference Finals now, the dominance of Davis and James, it just makes me worry less about their role players. Yeah. And then especially in the series, too, I don't think any of them are worried. They, they, may, they may slip up on a game or two, which obviously has been happening. Um, but in a seven-game series, I'm pretty sure they're confident they're going to win it. And you've seen it happen in three other series, so we're going to see what happens in this final series. Yeah, and the, I think the the playoff and finals experience that LeBron James had can't, has rather can't be understated. I think in the beginning of the telecast, Mark Jackson said that today is the 50th finals game that LeBron has appeared in, which is just bonkers. It's nuts. You know, you talk about a kid that skipped college and, you know, went directly out of high school to the league and, you know, got, got to a finals experience, you know, relatively young point in his career, but mm-hmm. 50, 50 appearances in final games is ridiculous. Some guys don't even appear in the playoffs 50 times in their career. Look, it's 59 times more than me. So I'll give yeah. it to him. <laughs> exactly. That is true. That is true. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately for the Heat, we're seeing them just get absolutely smashed right now. I'm not going to lie. I didn't put a wager on this one or anything, but I thought that the Miami Heat plus four and a half wasn't a bad bet today. But mm-hmm. moving forward, what are we thinking about on the Lakers Heat? Like, realistically, how many games could this series go? And did the Heat have much of a puncher's chance in this in this final series? And if they do, what are the things that they're going to have to do to be successful against the Lakers team? Um, I think the Heat are going to run into the same situation other teams face, and they're going to get a game. I I feel confident they're going to get a game. They have they got some dogs out there. They're going to get a game. They may get two. As far as winning the series, I just think the Lakers are going to pull through. I don't know in what order. I don't know if the Heat win the next two or, you know, Lakers. I don't know. I just know the Lakers are going to pull through in this. Um, it's going to be a hard fought battles. Obviously, after this game one, I think game one is always a feel for everybody. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say six games. I'm going to say six games. I wanna, I'm want. i going to give the Heat some props here, and I think they're going to get two. And who knows? They could prove me wrong. They could get three and make it go seven. But I'll say six. Just just make it a little battle. It's the finals, last games of the bubble. I've got to see something. So Yeah, I agree with you. I think six is a fair number. I could see it being five, but... I would personally like to see it go six. I think if you don't have a dog in the fight, you're kind of always hoping that a finals series will at least go six, hopefully, best case scenario. Now, I would not be shocked if it went five or if for some odd reason they got a sweep. sweep. Not be shocked. Yeah, I don't think you could be shocked. I don't I don't really think you could be. And it's not it's not knocking the heat either, too. It's just I just think it's a different kind of matchup here. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. But I I think Strictly on the fact that 
the heat just like you said have so many fighters and just dogs out there there's no there's no quitting mentality there's no like hey if we're down 13 heading into the fourth quarter we're gonna lay over and die so i think that um you know just for that reason alone and and the fact that they do have quite a few different shooters that can get really hot from a lot of different points on the court they got to get at least one yeah but the only way i see this series going seven games which based after you know seeing game one seems unlikely the only way it could is if um the i said this before about different series and the heat didn't even really need it as much as i thought they would but the heat are just gonna have to have crazy three-point shooting performances from guys like robinson guys like hero Dragic, and you're gonna need guys like you know jay crowder to really play above his you know normal ceiling he's all those guys are gonna have to play you know better than what they usually do that's really the only way you're gonna get a series and then for the lakers what i see a problem being that they're gonna expose with the miami heat is is just the size of the front line of the Lakers. Because at one point today, Howard was on the court and Anthony Davis was on the court. And the Miami Heat had Jake Crowder on Anthony Davis. I'm sorry. You can maybe pull that for a minute or two. But that shit's not going to fly in the long run. Yeah. And that's crazy, too. So um, the little bit of the game I was watching, I just turned. I see uh, AD with the ball. And I see three people on him. Not, Not three bigs, just like three people. I'm like. I don't know if this could work out or what, but once again, I think we're gonna have to see how uh, how all these other games turn out. I'm not gonna jump the gun on this one, but I just, just want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be throwing bodies at him for sure. I mean, when you have a guy like Anthony Davis, it's it's a lot to ask one dude on defense just to pick him up for you know 40 minutes of a 48 minute game every single night. So you're going to have to have a rotation going. You'll see guys like, you know, Iguodala take turns. Crowder will take turns. Adebayo will take turns. Olenek yep. in stretches, maybe even two. But, um, yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at regarding the NBA Finals. I don't – it's – I think, you know, as a sports culture, a lot of the time, we like to overreact. You know, it is game one, and you're seeing a thrashing. But I want to – I want to reserve my judgment for a little bit because yeah. – Hey, I didn't think the Miami Heat would be here in the first place, and they impressed me one hell of a job by getting here. So I want to give them, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. If I see Game Two and I see a SmackDown like we did tonight, you know, then, I think then ju- ju- <laughs> yeah. judge judgment's out at that point yeah. for sure. Um, um, so yeah. I want to talk about the Western Conference um, in the time that we were not speaking, and I just right. want to mention that man, Jamal Murray. I think he okay. out here bowling out, and I was watching that series. Um, I forget which game it was—the game between him and uh, Donovan Mitchell when they were going. Oh yeah! And, oh my gosh! I think that was some. Well, there was a few of them there, man. Game yeah. one was freaking nuts, and he had you know like the two fifty-point games. But that series, just offensively, even I know the Jazz lost, but goddamn, Donovan Mitchell was doing insane stuff on the floor too. He was, oh my gosh! And I think it was a, was it game one? He he had that uh, career high forty or no mm-hmm. fifty? How much? No, he was in the fifties. I think he was yeah. almost at sixty. Even he was just insane. Yeah, that's right. He, he had fifty seven. He had fifty seven. Yeah, facts. He was getting to anywhere he wanted on the floor. He just wasn't missing. It was nuts. It, I hadn't seen anything like it. Just the duel that those two had in round one. It was just 
it really like for the both of them i know this whole bubble situation is different we've never seen anything like it and i've heard like with the depth perception it's a little bit better than you know shooting in arenas with fans and stuff mm -hmm. so i don't know if that plays you know a very minor factor in terms of better scoring and shooting but i think for both of those players it's like their stardom has arrived and i think next year even you know assuming things keep progressing in the right direction um those are both you know yeah both for certain top 15 NBA players in the league and possibly, you know, top 10 NBA players in the league if they keep bringing it like they were in the playoffs next season. For sure. Also, too, so yeah. remember when we were talking about, like, expectations going into the bubble and we were just talking mm -hmm. about how it's just going to be just basketball. You just got to go out there and play basketball. I think that's what right. – I think that was a perfect example of it. It was just two ballers out there and they, they were out there and they did what they had to do for their team and – in the process, putting on a great show. And Jamal Murray was doing it even past that series, too. So, once again, props yeah. to him. That was just a straight bucket getting out there. Right. I was also, you think, you talking about kind of conversations we've had on different episodes just made me think back to something else. I remember we did the episode about the 20 best players or most intriguing players kind of heading into these NBA playoffs. I can tell you for a fact, none of us had Jamal Murray on that fucking list. No. <laughs> No, and he definitely right. he Yeah, absolutely. And I know he had his injuries kind of. He wasn't always on the floor during the regular season. And even, you know, in years prior in Denver, he'd kind of been hot and cold. He'd never really taken over um, a long stretch of games like he had in this in these playoffs before being bounced. But speaking about kind of things that have happened now in the past in the NBA, let's talk about the Clippers. Let's talk about what happened with the Clippers really quickly before we move on to the NFL. Uh, so they obviously take it to the head. They lose in seven to the Nuggets. And, um, you know, we've now seen in the last day that Doc Rivers has been fired. It seems like Kawhi Leonard's the only untouchable on the team. Probably George will be back, but, you know, who knows if they get the yeah. right trade offer. But um, what are your thoughts? What, how much of a colossal, you know, just fuck up was it by the Clippers and then heading into next season now what should we expect from them will the team be similarly structured as it is now or will we see some roster changes um first of all heading into next season I don't think anybody's gonna talk as highly of them as they did this year so remember this year everybody's going in like oh they're gonna beat the Lakers they might even be in the final well, we see it obviously wasn't that. So I think coming into next year, people are going to have lower expectations. And it might be a little less stress on the team. Um, who knows how that works in a NBA situation. But we'll, hopefully it will be um, easier for them to put together a solid team. Um, I'm not sure if Doc was the problem, but uh, they're going to have a new coach. So we're just going to see how it's going to work with a new coach. And they can they can try to make things work there. Uh, but as far as how this season ended up, I think Twitter took it away for me. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, I really wanted Paul George to do good. And I did it on Twitter I, I, and I, I see the dragon. So. Yeah, that was tough to watch, man. Um, I know when we talked about the, the 20 players heading into the playoffs, it's like, I was not high on George because I know that he's just not been successful or a dominant player in the playoffs. And I know for a lot of years there, he was in Indiana with not a great team. 
Yeah, exactly. And he did put together some, you know, impressive stat performances in series against, you know, LeBron James led teams, but he never got over the edge. And even as he's like gotten older and developed even more so his skills in the league, nothing's really come of it. And you always just think about guys that guys like Kawhi Leonard. So let me say this about the Clippers. Kawhi didn't have a great game seven against Denver. But you can't blame him at all for anything that happened in that series. Because you look at Game 7, not nobody was fucking scoring for the Clippers. It looked like nobody even wanted the damn ball. They were just playing hot potato. Paul George is throwing shots off the side of the fucking backboard from the corner. And it's like, look, Kawhi, you know, his track record proves itself. He's great in the playoffs. He had one bad game. What are you going to do? Knock him for it? I'm not. I think you'd be a fool to do it. But... In terms of Doc now being gone, I think Ty Lu, who was an assistant coach there with the Clippers last season, I think he's in a perfect position to kind of step up and take that coaching job. I think, you know, he obviously he won that finals with the the Cleveland Cavaliers and that crazy comeback with the Cavs against the Do Warriors. You think they're gonna but, bring Ty Lu in as the head, or um, you think they're gonna bring a new coach in? Because obviously he has good, had some experience, so right. Because you also look at why Ty Lue stopped being a head coach there at Cleveland. It was because he had those health issues, those concerns there for a while. It seemed like personally he needed to take a step back and kind of recenter and figure some stuff out medically. But I don't think the question was ever, hey, can this guy, is, does this guy have the knowledge or, you know, the potential to, you know, lead a team as a head coach in the league? I don't think that was ever questioned. But the only thing I think you'd have to say is because the loss for the Clippers in Game 7 was so bad, do you have in Oh, look who it is. We got Tiago joining us. We're knees deep in a Clippers conversation about how they failed, and we're getting right into it. So let me just finish here. The Clippers failed so badly. Do they have to bring in a new head coach that wasn't in the situation last year, you know, right, where it's kind of a clean slate. They can turn the page almost sort of type thing. It's kind of what I'm wondering. But at the same time, if Ty Lue got the job, I would have a problem with it. I got Say about that. I don't know if I want to talk first. Oh, I wash my hands because uh, for all of you that don't know, I just got off practice, so I'm still. Uh, hey, you gotta stay COVID free, baby. Oh yeah, and uh, the room is uh, getting used, so uh, I'll be talking to you. But uh, I mean, about the Clippers, man. Uh, firing Doc Rivers was a bad move, in my opinion. I don't think it was his fault. Uh, the problem with the Clippers is that they fucking hired Paul George. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. When you say Paul George is your second best player on the team, something something's wrong. Something's wrong, especially in the playoffs. He might he might do his thing, you know, on the regular season, but playoff coming, Paul George be looking like what uh, Paul Pierce when he was forty, playing for the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> something like that. I don't know, man. But um, yeah, um, I, I feel bad for the Clippers because I want I, I think everybody wanted to see that LA. Um, conference finals that's that was a i think that was almost guaranteed but hey let's give some uh, let's give some praise to the nuggets though you know that was uh coming back coming back twice from a one three series and uh especially against the play first man Kawhi leonard just came off a, a rank so we, we're talking about a real deal team and they did that twice so they were hella tired and you could see, you could see that in the game in the series versus the Lakers the Nuggets were tired uh, they've been playing 14 games <laughs> the previous series and that's not easy 
but um, yeah, that's all I have to say to you right now. <laughs> I really came a little bit out of context. So much yeah, let me let me give you some context. So we kind of talked about the stuff that we missed, you know, in at the end of the series there with Boston and Toronto, and then you have this series, obviously, you know, the Western and the Eastern. We kind of wrapped that up, and we kind of talked about the finals a little bit. Before we move on to football now, let's just give you your, you know, your two cents here about your prediction and what you expect to see out of the finals with the Miami Heat and the Lakers. Obviously, in game one, the, the Heat got smacked, but you got you got three, four minutes here. Give us your spiel on what we should expect. Uh yeah, I, I I still have to see the today's highlights. Like I said, it was a practice, but um, game one for the Lakers. That's something I did not expect because Lakers been losing the game ones for the whole majority of the series. Ah, um, uh, I mean, being realistic, I think the Lakers might take this one. It's it's very tough for it. It's very tough. I I'm a true believer in this man team, and I'm a big fan of the franchise itself. But being realistic, I think the Lakers might take it in five to six games. I hope the Miami Heat take it on seven. I believe in that. If you ask me as a fan, I do believe it can take it seven games and win it all. But realistically speaking, and from the analyst's point of view, it's very tough. Very tough. That's facts. That's facts. Any thoughts, Kyle, on the NBA here before we hop into what we've seen in the NFL for the first three weeks? Nah, I, I touched on all my points already. I just wanted to give that shout-out once again to Jamal Murray. He was yeah. a good um, and also, I really, I'm really interested in this uh, Nuggets team. I want to see how they move forward in the next couple of years. So that's the team I'll keep an eye on. Yeah, I agree for sure. I think it'll be interesting to see if if the Nuggets can surround Murray and Jokic with the right complementary pieces to the point yeah. where will they be able to go and get a championship ring? Yeah, um, we'll I'm be yeah, I don't I, know if they'll be as good though. Jeremy Grant, he's asking for a lot of money, and I don't know yeah. if he's going to stay in the Nuggets. Somebody's gonna pay Jeremy Grant, man. His playoff, his playoff performance across different series, he deserves it. He, if it weren't for Jeremy Grant, the Nuggets would not have been where they were. Um, but let's talk about the NFL, man. We're three weeks in, kind of an open table conversation here. What have we liked? What have we disliked? What teams have shit the bed? <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, what's impressed <laughs> us? It's on the table. Let's go. Um, first of all, I think someone who's impressed me, Cam Newton. Mm. I think he's been I think he's been bowling out. People are saying that as they hit the Chiefs, it's gonna be kind of a struggle, which it's the Chiefs, it's gonna be tough. I think he's gonna be able to bounce back, even if he like let's say he doesn't have a good game against the Chiefs. I think they'll be able to bounce back. I think he's still gonna have a decent season. And look, he's my quarterback on one of my fantasy leagues, so there I'm like them. That's that's definitely one I wanted to shout out right there. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, one thing I want to touch is the injuries, man. Um, not having a preseason, um, being rushing the season like that, this is all on the NFL. This is none of the players, none of the teams. This is the NFL's fault. And then they'd be surprised that they have players injured. Shaquan Barkley, Christian McCaffrey got hurt, George Kittle, um, so many more. Especially the Niners got a lot of downs. And uh, that's the NFL to blame. That's it. Uh, people be talking about old lines and that the team hasn't prepared well enough. Now nah, that's bullshit. The NFL decided to go on with a season without preseason. They should be, they should be aware of this. This is their fault. Um, anyways, teams that have been surprising me. The Jaguars have been surprising me low key. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought they were going to be losing every game. Although I'm glad they lost to the Dolphins. The Dolphins <laughs> smacked them, dude. Oh yeah, I was happy <laughs> with that. Um, 
the Niners been disappointing by yet again the injuries, the first game. Yeah. Uh, injuries are uh, a killer for the Niners. Yeah. But it's the really main bad. Team, yeah. Main team I want to talk about, especially one, two players actually. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray been balling out. DeAndre Hopkins came into the system, you know, I don't know, and he's the he's leading the the game, the the league in yards receiving. Mm-hmm. He's just been playing out of it. Arizona just went from um, to a team with two to three wins to a team that can actually win it all this year. And Kyler Murray's been playing like a, an MVP if it wasn't for Russell Wilson. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that name right there. Oh yeah, yeah. Russell, right Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson is definitely. I think if somebody deserves MVP right now, it's him or Kyler Murray. Um, other than that, yeah, Eagles been disappointing. Uh, I don't know what's wrong. Carson Wentz is just. I think Carson Wentz might want to leave the Eagles. He's still he's still got some gas in him. The team's just not treating him right. Um, Zachary's been a little bit on the shadows too with Goddard stepping up. I don't know what's wrong with that offense. Something needs to change in Philadelphia. That's all. Yeah. Oh, and I'm surprised with Joe Burrow too. Joe Burrow is looking legit. Yeah, he's played great. Um, what have I really liked? I know that the Buffalo Bills got the best of the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday, but I've really liked the Rams style of football lately. Aaron Donald is doing what he usually does, which is fucking yep. up the middle of offensive lines yep. and getting into the backfield. Um, it seems like the O-line for the Rams has really improved from where they were last year. The running game looks a lot better. Jared Goff looks more comfortable in the pocket. Their play-action game is kind of getting back to what it looked like the year that they made that Super Bowl run. The Rams have looked good. What I haven't liked is Drew Brees in 2020. Um I know yes. he's getting older. He's checking the ball down a lot, which I don't necessarily have a problem with. Um, I think it's been proven that you can go with five, six, seven, you know, pa- uh, yard passes down the field, uh, assuming you have a great running game and you have a defense that can, you know, limit the amount of points that an opposing team scores. But I think you saw it a little bit last year. Drew just, I think for anybody that hits the age of 40, you start to look a little bit old at some point. And I think, for Drew, you're really seeing that. I think you saw that against the Raiders, more so than you saw it against the Packers. But then again, they lost to the Packers too. So that's been tough. Um, Tom Brady as well. Tom Brady does not look too great either. Missing a lot of throws. That Tampa Bay D is really good, and they've been playing against some weaker opponents the last two weeks in the Broncos and the Panthers. But Brady's looking so-so. And I want to hit quickly Russell Wilson. He gets my MVP vote right now through yeah. three weeks of the season. I think a part of it is I've been listening to guys that have podcasts that know what they're talking about in the NFL. You look at the situation that exists in Seattle right now. Seattle does not have a defense where it's shit. So how it works is Russ will go score. He'll get a touchdown. The other team will quickly march down the field against the uh, Seahawks. They score. So it's just a shootout week out, week out. So which which bodes well for Russ's, you know, hopefulness for an MVP because it provides him the opportunity to put up MVP type numbers week in, week out. And uh, then, he's definitely been doing that. He's right. he's been putting up those numbers. That's that's my other quarterback in my other two leagues. And listen. The, yeah, he killed me this, this past week, bro. He killed me. He killed me with Russell Wilson. Real quick though, um one thing I want to point out. You talked about the Saints. Oh, man, the Saints right now is just one player. They're all on the back of Camara. Alvin Kamara yeah. is probably the best running back in the league right now, hands okay. down. And uh, he's carrying the team hard, bro. He's making runs like he's making it look easy, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's a specific term. All right, you see some Christian McCaffrey runs and Chicken Barkley runs, and be like, "Oh, that's tough, but that's hard." 
Kamara's just dodging tackles like it's high school. Yeah, but so guys, guys cannot, cannot grab him. It's crazy. crazy. And, he, and he's the top five in receiving yards in the league mm-hmm. among receivers. Listen, that's that's NFL number. That's Madden's number. Yeah, that's, I think I, for you. I think I saw something that said even if like he weren't getting any touches at the running back position right now, he would be like the number fourth leading pass catcher in fantasy football. I saw that today. Yeah. I saw that today. He has more. Uh, he, he's in the top five, top four uh, receiving yards in the league among receivers. Can you imagine? Can you see how crazy that is? I mean, he's going to be in the conversation for MVP too. Don't forget about that because running right. backs that do that, they're oh, not yeah. easy to find. They're not easy to find. And then I think you think about those stats that he's putting up alone, that kind of comes back to the fact that I brought up, A, Michael Thomas has been out since week one. So that's a factor and the Saints not pushing the ball mm-hmm. down the field. And then the other thing is, Drew Brees is checking the ball down a lot. So what do you do when you check the ball down a lot? You throw it to the back in the flat and you kind of let him run and make space there. So it's kind of been a perfect storm for guys like, you know, Russell Wilson and Kamara so far this up till this point, three weeks into the season. But the last thing I want to say about players is we talked about Cam Newton and quarterback expectations for a few different guys heading into the 2020 season. I know, I think for the most part, we were all kind of unsure as to what his potential would be. I think, when I, <laughs> I think when I looked at it, I thought that it would be um, – I think it would be a tale of, you know, two things. I thought there would be some good. There would be some bad. I figured that Belichick and Josh McDaniels would put Cam Newton in a position where he could use his legs to succeed. And they'd also, you know, find ways to get the ball out to tight ends and receivers. But up until this point, it's been much more good with Cam in the past than bad. And I think you have to look at the contract that Cam was given. How many guys, you know, two to three years removed from an MVP, and I understand the injuries, but how many guys go and sign contracts with almost zero guaranteed money? You know, it seemed like the whole world was against Cam this offseason. And it's nice to see, you know, a little bit of a redemption story. I think America loves it. I love it. I like to see that Cam's succeeding. I don't really like the Patriots too much, but so be it. I'm for Cam this year, and I hope he keeps doing it. Just yes. one thing. It's all fun and games and beautiful and comeback stories and all of that bullshit until he gets injured. That's oh, right. I would you wish that, man. I, I don't wish that, but he's a, he's a running back, and he's a, he's a running back. That's, a, that's, the, that's where it's wrong. He's a quarterback, and he's playing like a running back, and he's injury nah. prone. I know. You know what? I will no, say, He does not play like a running back. Yes, he does. No, he's no, running no, the ball no, no, no. With him on his hand all the time. Uh-huh. He's he's playing differently this year than he has in years past. I can see it because I obviously as a Raiders fan, I watched that whole entire game against the Raiders. I watched Me a too. lot of that that Seahawks game. He's not taking hits like he used to. He's sliding now mm-hmm. way more than he ever has before. I can see him consciously scanning the field five yards ahead. And of course, when you're a guy that big and you got to go get a first down, he's going to put his body out on the line and try and go make those plays for his team. But I think now more compared to when he's younger, he's now kind of, you know, he's playing the risk management game in terms of when should yeah. I, when do I need to slide and when, when do I need to go all out? And let me say this real quick. Um, let me say yeah. this. You've got this giant man who can move. The fact that you're trying to like keep him in the pocket or like people will want him to play like that. I think it's kind of ridiculous. I think we're we're past the age of like a stationary quarterback. He's gonna move, and that's just what it is. And if you look at this man throw the football, he can throw the football. I don't oh, care yeah. what anybody says. He's, he can throw the he, damn. Ball. He's injury prone. He's playing in the NFL. 
NFL defenses take, what, two to three weeks to read your game. It's been fun for until now, but man. defenses is not going to allow those kind of runs. Ah, trust me, man. He's going to get hit. No, if he I'm keeps not. Playing like yeah, this, everybody's gonna gonna hit. No, it's I know he's going to get down. hit. But what I'm saying is I believe in Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Every single week, so their game plan changes based on who they're playing every single week. I saw what they did to the Raiders this last week, and I know it was close in the first half, but they dominated them with the offensive game plan the whole entire second half. And I think that those guys are just always going to put Cam in the position to succeed. And I think that I genuinely do think if Cam was on another team right now without those guys and that, you know, that game plan type orientation and the leadership structure there, I think we could be looking at a completely different situation right now. You know, Cam could possibly not be doing as well as he has so far. And then the last thing I want to say is look at the fucking weapons that Cam is using out there in New England. Say what you want about Julian Edelman. Yeah, he's a pretty good wide receiver. Like, I'll give him that. But then what? You have Nikhil Henry, Nikhil Harry, and yeah. Rex, Rex Burkhead, and then two, like, obscure tight ends nobody knows anything about. So it's not like Cam's tossing it to, you know, three pro bowlers out there on the flanks. And nobody's saying that Cam is 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 the it's legendary ball team right now. He's just playing good. Ball. And I just need people to acknowledge. I agree. Him. I agree. I agree he's playing good. I just said, Cutie's injury prone. Dude, he's running the ball. Dude's going to get hurt. Yeah, all <laughs> That's right. all I'll well, say. <laughs> I, under- I understand what you're saying, Tiago. And, yeah, of course, you can't you can't subtract the fact or you can't disregard the fact that he's been injury prone. But I think as a fan of the game and not somebody that really cares one way or the other about the Patriots, I think we're all just having our fingers crossed saying, hey, hopefully Cam Definitely. stays healthy and hopefully, you know, he can continue Definitely. his success. I like him. I like him, dude. I'm a fan. I'm just saying I'm worried about the way he's playing right now. That's what I'm saying. I said That's fair. I hope it doesn't happen. Valid, valid. Any other teams that we like right now that are like, man, this team looks like they could win a Super Bowl, other than your run-of-the-mill fucking, you know, Chiefs, obviously, you know, Ravens, even though the Ravens really raised some question marks for me again against oh, the Chiefs trash. on Monday night. The thing everyone's about it, <laughs> the Ravens, dude, I just want to say one thing about the Ravens. They're front runners, man. And I know I'm not the first person to say this, but you look at the Ravens when they go out and they play teams like the Browns. They score points early. They start blitzing Baker Mayfield. They start turning the ball over. But when the Ravens start slow and teams like the Chiefs get out ahead of them, the Baltimore offense just doesn't look the same. Lamar Jackson doesn't look good when he's in a position where he has to chase points. And I don't know. I think you saw that in the Titans playoff game last year. But I don't know. I think the Ravens are just a team that looks really fucking good against bad teams, like really, really, really good. And that's what kind of makes you think, wow, this team could be really special. But then it's just like they've gotten into some of these games against better teams. And it's like, well, how come Lamar doesn't always show up and ball out like he does against these other teams? I feel it. Yeah, that was such, such a nice point, though. Real quick, Brad, uh, you talked about the Browns <laughs> in the middle of that. I'm just going to say the Browns made OBJ from the Giants look like Nelson Angelor from the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, this is not funny. All right? This is not a drill. Dude, he's not playing at all. What is he doing? And who, who the fuck is Baker Mayfield, man? Like, what is he doing? You got Jarvis yeah. Landry, OBJ, and he used none of them. None. Who are you going to throw the ball to? The stands? The guy that cleans the locker rooms? <laughs> yeah, I really don't know. I really don't know what's going on in the Browns, man. I think, I think they cursed. I think yeah. I think that Chris. I think if D. Hop, uh, DeAndre Hopkins went there, he I don't know, man. He would end his career. 
for example, I'm talking <laughs> about the best receivers. They could have like D Hop, Michael Thomas, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, and shit, a running back like Christian McCaffrey. They would still go 0 and 16. <laughs> That's what I think. Well, they, they are 2 and 1 now. So. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. it's too jump the gun. Ah, they played two pretty shitty fucking teams. <laughs> they, they beat the Bengals and the, the Redskins, but Baker Mayfield still a fucking liability in my mind. It's hard Not to watch him play. Um, Washington football team. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, God. Put some respect on that name. Right. That didn't even register. Las Vegas has been registering with me, but yeah, God, I got to use that. It'll be interesting well, to see if they keep that I also that want to mention two teams from the AFC North still. Um, I know y'all mentioned Joe Burrow earlier. It sucks that, you know, that he's on the Bengals. They suck. And they but... don't protect him with shit. He's running for his life every single play. Yeah. I just, I just feel like in a in a better system, he would have, he would have been down. I like, I, oh, yeah. I, looking at his stats, you know, he's like getting into the field of of the NFL, so I could see that he's got potential. He's just if he's stuck on a terrible team his whole career, he's gonna hate, he's gonna hate football. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's just what it is. And then last team I want to mention is the Steelers, and they've been mm-hmm. playing pretty, they've been playing pretty good. I like what I see. Best defense in the league. Yep, best yep. defense. Or I don't know about best, but. Solid defense, um, good stuff from uh, Juju, and then good seeing uh, Big Ben back out there. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any other thoughts? We want to talk about uh, fantasy football at all here quickly. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Just... What you disapp- <laughs> you disappointed with your season so far, Tiago? Oh my god, I got so many injuries. Godwin is out again. George Kittle is out. Um, Shit, Josh Jacob is always injured now. I think, dude, he's like permanently yeah. injury. I told you, you gotta watch out for Jacobs. He'll be on the injury report. I don't know what's going on in my team, but I, th- I think I'm cursed, man. I think everybody. I mean, not as bad as Kyle's team, which is a. What do you mean? What about my team? team? My team's I'm over. Fucking, I'm over fucking <laughs> three, dude. I, I score 125 to 130 points every week, but it doesn't matter who I play against. Like 140, 150, 160. So, Kyle's team oh is like God. three nice. Run- Kyle's team is like three nice running backs. Cam Newton and a Juco roster. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Oh my god. That's a solid team though. I work with it. I got Tyler Higby. I'm good. Alan Robinson doing big things for you last week. That one was killing me. Jeez. Exactly. God, hey, you're... Yeah. I work with it. Yeah, I don't know. The whole the thing that's really bothering me, chapping my ass the most right now is Joe Mixon. He's just killing me. I understand that the freaking Bengals O line can't pass protect for Burrow or shit. But in previous seasons, Mixon's been able to run the ball decently, and he's just been god awful. And now it's fucking fucking with my flex situation. So I'm yeah. down in the I'm down in the dumps and disappointed about fantasy football right now. I need a big mm-hmm. turnaround here in Week Four if I'm gonna have any chance of reclaiming my my. I don't know how I'll ever recover that twenty dollars I'm about to lose in this prize pool. I swear I'm gonna have to go to Vegas or bet on something. I can't be losing the twenty. So y'all gonna make me go deported for not having money in the US. <laughs> taking too much email. Taking too much money in from MGM. We're gonna have to send your ass back to Portugal, man. I'm gonna send an email to Chris Scott to Godwin and I'll be like, dude, stop having concussions. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I really, I really don't care if you have any brain inside your head 50 years from now, as long as you get me these touchdowns on Sundays. I need this $20, man. Oh. <laughs> and I got to let DK Metcalf know that he cannot stop running before the end zone. Yeah. Just saying, you know, you, you got to, like, carry the ball over the end zone to score, not before. 
it's amazing how many amazing how many players kind of you still see that once or twice every year a guy that's just super hyped whether it's a long touchdown or a punt return or a kick return and they kind of just drop the ball one step before they get in the end zone it's like you'd think that would be like the most fundamental thing you learn as a youngster it's like yeah you cross the goal line then kick it in the stands spike it do whatever the fuck you want with it but just run over the line first it's all cocky players though i think the last big name to do that was the sean jackson um yeah wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't Deshaun the one who dropped who actually dropped the ball before going into the end zone? Yeah, mm-hmm. so, Deshaun's done it. You know, I mean, there's it yeah. hap- it, it honestly does happen like once once at least once a year usually. But I think like the last like super well known moment of it occurring, obviously because of who Deshaun Jackson is and the magnitude of that game, it was definitely DJX. That one gets oh remembered. yeah, yeah. Well, that was even worse than DK Metcalf because Jack literally dropped the ball. But I mean. DK, come on! You playing? You you people have been praising you uh, for this whole season, saying that you actually a legit uh, wide receiver, and then you you just have a ceiling, and then you do stuff like that. I mean, you redeemed himself and scored a touchdown, but instead of one, he could have two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. All in all, though, I think you're going to be pretty fucking happy to have DK this year, though. He's a fucking animal. Oh yeah, but still, you kind of got to be a little bit more humble. Don't go D. D Jackson on them and be cocky all the time. Because see, that's what happens with wide receivers. They get too cocky and they make stupid mistakes. And I'm not talking just about the end zone thing, but like Chad Johnson done that done stupid mistakes before. Randy Moss done stupid mistakes before. All the big wide receiver names that talk shit a lot. Well, let's say uh, Terrell Owens. <laughs> Uh, all those guys made shitty mistakes so i hope dk doesn't go the same path you know yeah i don't think so i don't think he'll have any problems i think yeah i think you should go for it that's how bowlers are born (laughs) 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 fuck it every week week. (laughs) Um, well shit we kind of did a wrap on the whole situation with the nba playoffs and kind of the divisionals and then we got into conference debate we kind of talked about the heat lakers finals we talked about football what we've liked through three weeks players teams bad teams again the fucking eagles the offensive line of the goddamn Bengals. y'all need to check yourself and get this shit together little right, fancy football chat yeah <laughs> still fucking balling dude fits magic Every good for like at least two or three games really like, this guy still exists still exists. Um, it's the magic. Straight up. Any other thoughts Straight that we want to touch on here before we, we pop off these microphones? Pop off these microphones. Nah, man. Just Jamal Murray's a bucket. Russell Wilson for MVP. That's all I got to say. The blue arrow, baby. The blue arrow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good shit. It's good to be back, man. We were off for a bit. It seemed like it was two weeks of no podcasting. Between the Lines is back, baby. And Kylie's still not wearing headphones. That's, that's, uh, that's <laughs> God damn it. You know what I love? I love when I can hear my own fucking voice ringing oh through my, my headphones. God, Kyle. <laughs> Get it's okay, though. We've been it's doing okay. this for a while now. We gotta, we gotta cut Kyle a break, man. It's been two long weeks. He's falling off the rocker. He's getting back into the swing of things, you know? Yeah, he'll yeah, be yeah. Back, He'll be back headphoned up come next week. Yeah, yeah, I'll be good next week. Well, shit. Uh, it's a good run back. We ran it back. We were at like, you know, 24-hour fitness, putting up shots, been a minute, you know, missing all our left-handed layups. But we're back. We're ready. We'll be back on next week to talk more NFL football week four. 
and hopefully two more games at the NBA Finals. Hopefully we see the Miami Heat put up a little battle here because I think all of America would like to see a six or seven game series. All right, we're out. Thank you.